Okay, so let's get to our haiku for the day. The matchup is set. RNC comes to a close. Trump is our main man. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, what is happening, people? So, the Republican National Convention came to a close on Thursday night. It was lucky it happened on Thursday because the destruction in Texas and Louisiana caused by uh, Hurricane Laura uh, was temporarily. People thought that they might actually cancel this or postpone Trump's acceptance of the um, Republican candidacy until Monday because he, he didn't know what to do. He was advised to go forward with it and wait till the hurricane completely passed. And he's actually going to visit the hard hit areas over the weekend. So he decided to have it. Now, what I've decided to do is I'm going to do something a little different than I did with the Democratic. I'm actually going to play clips this time because I just don't like the Democrats and I think their message was the same. I could have played Barack Obama's speech. It would have been the same speech that everyone else gave. But here's what I pulled out of this convention. Um, So first off, though the speeches were scripted, they were live for the most part. Most of the speeches were live. Um, this did make them a little bit more interesting and a little bit more awkward. Kimberly Guilfoyle's speech comes to mind. Oh my God. She was just screaming. Now, it was pointed out that the speech from Guilfoyle probably would have been better if there was a crowd in the room, but there was nobody in the room. So she was yelling and no one was there to clap and... Where they did it, it echoed. It just, it sounded, oh, her speech was terrible. It's a real shocker, too, because she was on the five on, um, she was on the five on Fox News. So, I mean, she's used to being on television and speaking in front of people, but I know, what a terrible speech. So, the speeches were kind of interesting. Um, next, you know, President Trump appeared on each day. And he did this. I thought, oh, this may not be a great thing. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But how he did it was different. He actually, um, he actually did it through group discussions with people who benefited from his policies. I thought this was very clever. Um, this included the hostages he helped free from other countries and the COVID first responders. And basically, what he did was he let the people tell him about how he was a very effective president. Uh, So I I did not really want Trump in this. I thought the less you see Trump, the better, because there's less of a chance he's going to say something bad. But he didn't. He didn't say much of anything. Now, he did have a a clever line where he said, well... uh, when he had the first responders, he said he mentioned that, you know, the virus has many names, the China virus, the the COVID-19, but it is what it is. <laughs> I don't want to say China virus because it'll insult it. And he does it twice. But I, it was it was a very clever way to deal with this. And I think it's going to be important because he's not in a box. He is actually out there and he is 
putting himself out there. And I think that's going to be important to show the difference between Biden and Trump, where Biden hides away. And how can you trust a guy who sits in his house for the for an entire campaign? And then there's even talk now that Biden may not want to do uh, may not want to do debates now. Nancy Pelosi mentioned that, you know, I don't think I don't think there should be debates. Uh, no, what? So it, it's very interesting. It's a great juxtaposition. It is a fantastic way to do it. I, I, I like that. And not to mention, uh, Trump is a personality. The more you see him, the more you want to watch. And this is the problem the Democrats had. The Democrats lost like 40% viewership from the last DNC. Um, Trump is definitely going to get a boost on this one. So we'll talk more about that later. It was a very pro-America production, which isn't a shock. De- Republicans and libertarians, which is what the Republican Party is mostly made out of, are extremely American. They're extremely pro-America. They're extremely patriotic. And it doesn't come across as fake. He, they basically pushed how America is great versus the Democrats' faux patriotism. There were two times that the Democrats during, now this was before the prime time, because these uh, these conventions actually are all day long. What we see on television is the prime time efforts. But when you look at, when you looked at the pre-prime time, the Democrats actually removed God from the Pledge of Allegiance twice. One Democrat, one uh, group, actually said and justice for all someday they changed they basically changed the pledge of allegiance and then you had one guy who when he started to when they started to play the national anthem say okay if you'd like to kneel you can if you'd like to sit you can i mean these things this is not going to win you elections because most people really do love the country and I don't understand how this is stuff that Trump needs to really point out. And Trump did a very good job and the production was very good. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise only because... And by the way, when I say the production was very good, don't, don't misinterpret what I just said. Um, I mean that to get the message out, it was very good. Overall, it was boring. But... It, it is. I mean, I didn't watch the entire thing. Steven Crowder actually had yesterday, on uh, Thursday, excuse me, actually had a live stream. And I watched the live stream and I only got bits and pieces of it. So Trump's policies were on display from beginning to end. We know what Trump did. We know what Trump's policies are. We know what Trump's going to do in the future. This was completely missing in the DNC. We do not have one policy. The only policy they talked up, up talked about was to get Trump out of the White House because Trump's bad and he's he's bad and he's orange. He's got funny hair, crap like that. So th- there were no policies. I don't know where Biden stands on anything. Biden hasn't even really talked about the violence that's happening in Portland, in um, Kenosha, in uh, Seattle. Uh, He hasn't talked about any of the crime waves that are happening in Baltimore and New York, which I know why he hasn't, because they're all blue states. They're all blue cities. 
So you can't talk about that stuff. You can't talk about the homeless in Los Angeles because Eric Garcetti is a crappy Democratic mayor. You can't talk about the homeless and the drug abusers in San Francisco because it's run by a Democrat. And California is a Democratic state. So I can understand that. But it would have been nice to know where he stood on something. Um, so some of the policies they talked about was, of course, law and order. Trump, or they beat the hell out of that. The evils of socialism. The success of the COVID response. I think this is completely forgotten. There, you know, Trump, yes, we've lost 180,000 people have died of COVID. That's a tragedy. But I seem to remember Dr. Fauci actually saying we could lose up to 2 million this year. And that we're nowhere near that. And not to mention statistics. No one likes statistics. Um, Statistically, we're not even in the top 10 anymore on COVID deaths when it comes to per million. Uh, We're number one or two when it comes to total deaths. But we also, per million, we're way down there. And the other problem that the Democrats didn't talk about is that most of the deaths in the country occurred in Democratic states. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Michigan. So to sit, this wasn't brought up at the RNC. I wish they would have brought it up, but I, because I think statistics matter. The greatness of capitalism was talked about. Something they really hit was school choice, which I think school choice is a fantastic idea. I love school choice. You should be able to choose where to send your kid. If you want to send your kid to a school that believes in the philosophy of the United States, I mean, let's face it, the public schools, and maybe we should talk about this in the future in a philosophical podcast more than anything else, but the the schools themselves, they're all about um, propaganda. I know that I, I deal with kids all the time. My fiance is in school. I I hear the things, the questions, they kind of rub in a certain way. Sometimes you get a teacher, um, and and, and there are teachers out there that are not left-wingers. Most conservatives will tell you everybody is left-wing. No, that's not true. Um, The colleges, for example, uh, my fiancé goes to a community college, and they actually do ask probing questions that bring up debate, and that you can have a conservative uh, voice or a conservative-like opinion. I typically don't push that, but it is there. But I think that if I want my child to, you know, have God in his life, I should be able to send him to a school that doesn't promote no God, which is what the public schools do. Of course, why are the Democrats so against that? Because, um of the teachers unions. So hey, unions are terrible. They've, they should have been gone. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I was disappointed with Trump and his presidency was he didn't push to get rid of unions because unions are destroying, uh, the country and they have damaged, let's not say destroy, let's not go to extremes. They have damaged the country and they've actually outrun their usefulness. They're, they're just not necessary anymore. I mean, you're, you don't have eight year old kids, working in factories on machinery and losing hands. So that's just not a thing anymore. Unions have gone the way of the dodo. Um, and finally, the power of small business. I Again, 
small business. COVID is a, was a big thing here. And COVID is killing not the big corporations like Amazon or Walmart. It's killing small business. Now, Trump's been pushing. We need to reopen. We need to reopen schools. We need to reopen all of this stuff. And we need to reopen because lives are being ruined and small businesses are being killed. People are losing everything. But he pushed this. And it makes him look good because most people want the world reopened right now. Most people, I'm going on a trip now across state lines, just a trip. And no one's worried about COVID. I'm going with, it's an entire family thing. No one's worried about COVID. We're just going to go, we'll wear our masks, whatever, if we catch it, whatever. The, But small businesses are getting killed in another way, which is another reason to promote it, is because of these, these riots. These riots are destroying small business. Now, personally, I think that Donald Trump needs to do a little bit more to it. And yeah, he's going to get called a fascist or whatever. I mean, it, but I personally think I don't, I wouldn't care at this point when you've got 92 straight days of rioting in Portland uh, and you've got four or five straight days of rioting in Kenosha, I'm sorry, you send a thousand National Guard troops to each site and you end this now. That's my personal opinion. Anyway, so small business was a big deal. Um, I, he, and Trump did things, or the RNC did things that I thought should have been done earlier. For example contrast the COVID response in the very beginning. Now, let's not forget Trump in the beginning of January, while they're impeaching him, while they're trying to get him kicked out of office, set a travel ban to China, then set a travel ban to Europe. He even mentioned COVID in his State of the Union address in the end of January. He was called a xenophobe. You had de Blasio and Pelosi screaming, hey, don't worry about COVID. It's not a big deal. Come over to uh, Chinatown. This, this was a thing. He finally did it. You know the Democrats just hate the fucking internet because all this stuff is recorded. And he, did, he played a montage of the difference between his response and the Democratic response when COVID first hit. Which, by the way, contradicts Joe Biden. And I'm thinking I'm going to go through Joe Biden's website. And we're going to start talking about some of the things he actually believes in his website. Because, I, well, honestly, I can't see too much that he believes on his website. He doesn't really talk to anybody. But uh, it is a thing. Uh, President Trump allowed others to tout the great job he did. And his administration did. This made him look self, less self-centered. Now, the problem President Trump has is he's a bit of a narcissist. He is. Okay? Uh, he is. But when he lets other people say, look what he did. And he has people, regular people, like he had those little um, focus groups, say, you know, you did a great job, Mr. President. This is what we needed. Excellent. Um, the RNC showed the diversity of the Republican Party. Bring up plenty of people of color, including, including Senator Tim Scott. Scott, LaRon J, LaRon Smith, who's the deputy assistant to the president, Herschel Walker, who's a personal friend of the president, Alice Johnson, who benefited from the uh, prison reform law and that President Trump freed, 
and Maximum Al- Maximo Alvarez, who is a Cuban, who is a Cuban exile. This is this is all good stuff. There, it, it was well produced. It was moving. There were a couple speeches that were very moving, and they weren't from the politicians. Unlike the DNC, it was a very positive and very pro-America. Unlike the DNC, there was little talk about how bad Biden was until the end. And all about the great things Trump did and the Trump administration did. How about that? The Trump administration did. Because Trump, the problem with Trump being so self-centered is that that's where crap like he doesn't believe in science comes from. He's not listening to the doctors about COVID-19. He's making his own decisions. This is where things are bad. You just don't want to say it. You just don't want him to keep saying that. Well, I did this and I didn't know your administration did it. Somebody helped you. I mean, Trump didn't even write his own speech. Speaking of speeches, there were some very good speeches. Um, Tim Scott was one of the first. He came out in the first night. He made a very good 20-minute speech. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit. uh, And then we'll talk about it. And I think this was one of the most moving parts of it. It is not solely about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's about the promise of America. It's about you and me, our challenges and heartbreaks, hopes and dreams. It's about how we respond when tackling critical issues like police reform, when Democrats called our work a token effort and walked out of the room during negotiations because they wanted the issue more than they wanted a solution. Do we want a society that breeds success or a culture that cancels everything it even slightly disagrees with? I know where I stand because, you see, I am living my mother's American dream. My parents divorced when I was seven years old, and we moved in with my grandparents into a two-bedroom home with me, my mom, and my brother sharing a room and one bed. My mom worked 16 hours a day to keep food on the table and a roof over our heads. She knew that if we could find the opportunity, bigger things would come. I thought I had to use football to succeed in life and my focus on academics faded away. My freshman year, I failed out. I failed four subjects, Spanish, English, world geography, and even civics. Trust me though, after seven years in the Senate, I know I'm not the only one in Congress who failed civics. But even while I was failing the ninth grade, my mother always said to me, Timmy, if you would just shoot for the moon, even if you miss, You'll be among the stars. Good, good language. Um, pro America, pro future. Work will get you. Work will get you to where you want to go. I'm not a big fan of the soppy emotions of speeches that politicians like to do, but I mean, it, it's it's good. That was very good. But this is the the part of the speech that really hit me. And I think this made me realize when I first saw this, because I think he was one of the first two that came out there. Um, This was a pretty heavy point to make. And this was a very positive point to make on the first night. My grandfather's 99th birthday would have been tomorrow. Growing up, he had to cross the street if a white person was coming. He suffered the indignity of being forced out of school as a third grader 
to pick cotton, and he never learned to read or write. Yet he lived long enough to see his grandson become the first African-American to be elected to both the United States House and the United States Senate in the history of this country. Our family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. That is an extremely powerful message. And that may be one of the most powerful historical messages in the entire RNC. Here's the problem. The talk with the Democrats and the left is that the United States was always racist. We will always be racist. We're a bad country. Always will be a bad country. Nothing we can do about it. This shows, it seems like for the Democrats, history is frozen in time. There is no history. There's no difference between 1619 and 2020. There's no pro progression. We had slaves. We will always have slaves. That's the democratic, that's the leftist view of the country. Whereas when you understand civics, when you understand history, you say, no, we have very bad moments in our history. We've overcome those. I mean, slavery, we had slavery. We ended slavery and 600,000 people in America had to die fighting a civil war for it. We had women's, uh, we had women couldn't vote. And then we had to, and then what happened was a bunch of white people saw that it was, white men saw that it was wrong that women couldn't vote and allowed women to vote. A lot of people didn't like the fact that didn't blacks couldn't vote, blacks were not free, and we put two, two amendments in the Constitution to allow blacks to do what they need to do. Then we had crappy laws like Jim Crow. And in 1964, a young man named Martin Luther King sat back and convinced a racist president to convince the parties to do the civil rights bill. This country has grown. And I got news to you, these 14-year-old, these 22-year-old unemployed, privileged black kids that are out there protesting for BLM, forget the white kids, they have no idea, okay, who keep saying racist, racist, they don't know racist. They have no freaking idea what racist is. They didn't live in Jim Crow. They didn't live right after uh, Jim Crow was ended in 1964. Because let's not forget, racism did not, it didn't end in my city of Chicago. I know that. It didn't end simply because uh, Lyndon B. Johnson signed in the Civil Rights Act. Racism dissipated as the years passed and it became acceptable. When I was a kid in the 80s, a white man dating a black woman was unheard of. Um, the Jeffersons, the, the famous 70s television show, showed that. Where they one of the neighbors was a white man married to a black woman. It was just like even the black, even Tom Thomas or even uh, George Jefferson was disgusted by it. And he was black. If you haven't watched that show, it's a great show. You should see that show. Rent it. 
I thought this was a great speech. I'm talking too much about it. I've got so much more to go to. The next person I really, I really think is is fantastic, and I'm really excited for her is Nikki Haley, and she has kind of a similar uh, background. Let's listen to Nikki Haley. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. This is personal for me. I am the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. They came to America and settled in a small southern town. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. My mom built a successful business. My dad taught 30 years at a historically black college, and the people of South Carolina chose me as their first minority and first female governor. America is a story that's a work in progress. Now is the time to build on that progress and make America even freer, fairer, and better for everyone. Again, great speech. Just how great America is that a woman who is a who's birthed by two immigrants of people of color, and Nikki Haley doesn't look like she's Indian, but okay, is able to become a governor of South Carolina and able to become the U.S. ambassador for the U.N.? Um, and we're a bad country. How? Now, I do want to point something out that Tim Scott, I, I am so excited that Tim Scott, that um, Nikki Haley actually made speeches, and there were a couple others who made speeches. I'm excited about it because this is the future of the Republican Party. Tim Scott will be a United States president. I am betting on it. I actually paid 30 bucks for his book that he wrote, and I got it signed because I would like a book signed by a U.S. president. Nikki Haley will be a future president. I bought her book, signed copy, because I want a future president. You sit back and you add... The other guy who I think has got a, a huge chance at being president, Dan Crenshaw, whose book I also bought called Fortitude. You should read it. I think he's got a chance to be president. And I actually have his signed copy already, but I didn't say that earlier. I think we are seeing the vetting, the prepping of the Republican, the Republican candidate for 2024 right now. We're seeing it already. And I'm really excited about it because these are some good people. Trump is not going to have a tenth. Uh, it, these people are not going to have a tenth of the problems Trump had. So then we get to another one, which I, I absolutely loved. It was Abby Johnson, uh, who used to work for uh, Planned Parenthood. She was a director of Planned Parenthood. She actually won an award for Planned Parenthood. And she saw an abortion, which I'm going to let her talk about, and became a... I think this is a big thing. I think this is a good deal. I don't want to take away from her speech. So let's just listen to Abby Johnson. Let's listen to the first clip of Abby Johnson. 
In April, I was awarded Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award and invited to their annual gala where they present the Margaret Sanger Award, named for their founder. And Margaret Sanger was a racist who believed in eugenics. Her goal when founding Planned Parenthood was to eradicate the minority population. Today, almost 80% of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are strategically located in minority neighborhoods. Fact check, true. I actually played that clip to, to tell you just to show how evil Planned Parenthood is, and Mary Sanger is. I have, and she was a eugenicist. She was, uh, she wanted to eliminate blacks and people with disabilities, mental disabilities specifically, people with mental illness. She wanted to create, oh, well, here's a book. I've read one of her books, and they're very hard to find. And the reason they're very hard to find is because she's an extremist. She believed in creating the perfect race. I read the book, Woman and the New Race. That is an actual book, and it sounds as horrific as it is. And this is coming from a woman who worked, was a director for Planned Parenthood, and won awards for being successful at Planned Parenthood. But she's not done. Why did she leave Planned Parenthood? Let's listen to Abby Johnson's second clip. But the tipping point came a month later when a physician asked me to assist with an ultrasound guided abortion. Nothing prepared me for what I saw on the screen. An unborn baby fighting back, desperate to move away from the suction. And I'll never forget what the doctor said next. Beam me up, Scotty. The last thing I saw was a spine twirling around in the mother's womb before succumbing to the force of the suction. I she produced a movie uh, called Unplanned. Abby Johnson did. And Unplanned actually showed a... It wasn't violent. Okay, it was violent. But the movie showed the actual abortion. Uh, and it showed the abortion through the um, uh, ultrasound. So you didn't actually see. It was a very disturbing, disturbing portion of the abortion. And one of the things I think we all need to start doing is actually seeing reality. What Abby Johnson did right now, the left went absolutely crazy about. And it's because they showed the violence of an abortion. She described the violence of an abortion. And I think this needs to be done more. It was a very effective speech. It was true. There's nothing anyone can say about it. And it also shows everything she said was about the horrors of abortion. I think that is a good thing. Now, there were other speakers. Melania Trump had a speech. Mike Pence had a speech. Okay, whatever. They were okay. Uh, Mike Pence's wife made a speech, blah, blah, blah. But the, the fun speeches were the actual speeches from just regular people. Herschel Walker made a speech, and I've 
never been a huge Herschel Walker fan because he played for the, I think it was the Dallas Cowboys, and I just hate the Dallas Cowboys. But he had been friends with Donald Trump since he played for, I think it was the Washington Generals or something of the USFL, which is a team that Trump actually owned. And uh, I, I know I should have probably looked that up before I, I talked about it. But he was sitting back and saying, you people are nuts. Donald Trump is a great guy. He gives a shit about people. And this was a very good speech. It was a very helpful speech. And I think it was one of the more powerful in the RNC. So let's listen to Herschel. I've known Donald Trump for 37 years. And I don't mean just casual ran into him from time to time. I'm talking about a deep personal friendship. I watched him as an owner of a professional football team. Right after he bought the team, he set out to learn. He learned about the history of the team, the players, the coaches, every detail. Then he used what he learned to make the team better. I watched him in the boardroom. He can be in the middle of a big meeting, but if one of the kids was on the phone, he dropped everything to take the call. He taught me that the family should be your top priority. I watched him treat janitors, security guards, and waiters the same way he would treat a VIP. He made them feel special because he knew they were. He understands that they are the people who make this country run. Now, again, this is more emotional stuff, and I really hate that. Uh, tell me something important. Don't tell me, give me policy. But the reality is Trump is seen as a sociopath. He's seen as a narcissistic sociopath, and he's not. I never believed he was a narcissistic sociopath. I believe the guy, and I didn't like The Apprentice and whatever. I always saw him as someone who was always, how shall we say, open, transparent, he loved the country. He always loved the country. And, you know, it's not like Herschel Walker was his only black friend. Um, Mike Tyson likes um, Donald Trump. Mike Tyson, uh, Donald Trump promoted his fights all the time. Mike Tyson said he was a great guy. Don King, who he worked with a lot, especially with promoting fights, thought Donald Trump was a great guy. It's just, it's just, it's, it's stupid when he's a racist, sexist, bigot. First off, whenever someone says you're a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, whatever, you've got to question, okay, what are you talking about? And Burgess Owens, who is also a foot, pro football player, made a speech about the same thing. I, I don't understand why this is a thing that people have to rip him. But then we get into the really fun. I, I this was these were a couple of speed few speeches, a couple of speeches that I really was looking forward to watching, and one speech that actually kind of put me in tears, because well we're going to talk about why uh, in a second. But first off, let's listen to Nick Sadman, millionaire right now, because he won what sounds like an $80 million lawsuit from CNN and like a $200 million lawsuit from the Washington Post? Millionaire whose life they, the media tried to ruin. I wanted to hear what he'd had to say. So let's listen to him. My life changed forever in that one moment. 
the full war machine of the mainstream media revved up into attack mode. They did so without researching the full video of the incident, without ever investigating Mr. Phillips' motives, or without ever asking me for my side of the story. And do you know why? Because the truth was not important. Advancing their anti-Christian, anti-conservative, anti-Donald Trump narrative was all that mattered. And if advancing their narrative ruined the reputation and future of a teenager from Covington, Kentucky, well, so be it. That would teach him not to wear a mega hat. I learned what was happening to me had a name. It was called being canceled, as in annulled, as in revoked, as in made void. Canceled is what's happening to people around this country who refuse to be silenced by the far left. Many are being fired, humiliated, or even threatened. And often, the media is a willing participant. But I would not be canceled. I fought back hard to expose the media for what they did to me, and I won a personal victory. Okay, he speaks like an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid. But what was shown here is the evils of the left. They don't care who they destroy. And as much as they say that Republicans don't have any uh, freaking love for kids and we hate kids because of climate change <coughs> and all that, sorry, excuse me, and all that other crap, the reality is they don't care for kids. They use kids. They use kids to push their narrative. But the funniest portion of it of the cliff came right here. In November, I believe this country must unite around a president who calls the media out and refuses to allow them to create a narrative instead of reporting the facts. I believe we must join a president who will challenge the media to return to objective journalism. And together, I believe we must all embrace our First Amendment rights and not hide in fear of the media or from the tech companies or from the outrage mob either. This is worth fighting for. This is worth voting for. And this is what Donald Trump stands for. Thank you all for listening to me tonight. And one more thing. Let's make America great again. And he ends his clip putting on a Make America Great Again cap. See, this is this is one of the reasons I played this is because this is an 18-year-old kid. Millionaire thanks to the media. And this is where our future. I was asked, and I'm probably going to do a podcast about this. I was asked, where do you see our kids being 10 years from now, 20 years from now? And I said, there's going to be a snapback. Kids are not, I, I, kids are not exactly the wisest, but they're not stupid either. And they see where things are going today. And eventually those kids are going to raise their children correctly. They're going to go back to the philosophies of America and they're going to snap back. They're not going to have kids out of wedlock, things like that. I think there is going to be a snap back eventually. The other um, uh, speech I was really waiting for was Alice Johnson. Now, Alice Johnson was actually released uh, from prison. She had committed a um, she had committed a drug offense. It was a nonviolent drug offense. There was a gun involved, which gave her like a 70-year sentence or something crazy like that. And she's been asking to be set free. She served something like 20, 
four years, 26 years in prison. So she served a long time. Again, this is one of the things I should have probably looked up before I talk about it. But she was a mother. She was, it was her first time offense. She was broke. She needed money. And this was the only way she could see herself actually pulling herself out of poverty. And she's been asking for, you know, to be freed for a long time that she didn't really, this was really an over-prosecution. By the way, the 1994 crime bill that uh, Joe Biden actually signed is the reason she was stuck in prison for 26 years for selling some, for uh, trafficking in pot and have happened to having a gun. All right. Um, so President Trump pardoned her. Uh, and then signed the crime bill or not the crime bill, excuse me, signed the prison reform bill. So this was something I was really looking forward to. So let's listen to Alice Johnson and what she had to say about Trump and his uh, prison reform bill. Good evening. I'm Alice Marie Johnson. I was once told that the only way I would ever be reunited with my family would be as a corpse. But by the grace of God and the compassion of President Donald John Trump, I stand before you tonight and I assure you, I'm not a ghost. I am alive, I am well, and most importantly, I am free. When President Trump heard about me, about the injustice of my story, he saw me as a person. He had compassion and he acted. Free in body thanks to President Trump, but free in mind thanks to the almighty God. I couldn't believe it. I always remembered that God knew my name, even in my darkest hour. But I never thought a president would. I, again, Trump the racist pardoned a black woman selling, who was selling, trafficking in drugs because he didn't think she deserved what she got. Uh, racist still? Sexist still? It's a black woman. This is the problem we have with intersectionality and all of the other. No one else did it. Barack Obama knew about Alice Johnson. He didn't do anything. It's 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 complete crap. Now I'm not a big fan of the prison reform bill because I think it excuses crime. It, there are some problems with the prison reform bill, but this is something that. Trump does because he, he does care about people. I mean, this woman didn't murder somebody. I mean, she's trafficking in weed. Let's get over it now. So uh, this was a good speech, deep speech. And you know something what I loved about her? It, 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 I well with tears when I when I see her speak. Go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I've got all the speeches listed. Uh, not listed. I've got all the speeches in there. You can watch them all. If you missed the, um, if you missed the uh, RNC because you, you got a life. Because it was really kind of boring. Anyway, um, is the joy on her face was something. But I actually did tear up. There was, and I'll talk about why in a few minutes. 
Uh, I know this podcast is going way longer um, beyond the Dave rule, but I, I think there was a lot here. It was by a guy named Maximo Alvarez. He is a Cuban exile. I'd say immigrant. He's not. He's an exile. They kicked him out of Cuba, basically, or he escaped from Cuba. And he had some powerful words. And when I was actually cutting these clips, Josie asked me, are you crying? And the answer is yes. Now, what I was going to do is I was going to play a couple of short clips from Alvarez's speech. Uh, I changed my mind. I'm not going to do that because I'm running really long right now. And because Alvarez... Alvarez's speech is worth actually analyzing the entire speech. It's only seven minutes long. And I think I'm going to spend an entire podcast talking about it because I think it's a very important speech. And the reason I had family that were stuck in communist countries. I had an aunt who was stuck in Hungary, which was taken over by the Soviets back in the, I don't know, way, way back, about 70s, 60s. And she was brought to the Ukraine. Her husband was a Politburo member, which is the Russian government thing. So a Russian government. And she and her husband ended up disappearing. And we never heard from her again. I only met her once. But my grandfather uh that was his sister. Um, he said, she's gone. Because I asked her, where's Dante Goldie? Dante Goldie's gone. We don't know where she is. We have no idea. And we've never heard. We. These are the e This is the evil of communism. And I really want to focus on that speech because I think that speech was horribly moving. And so I think I'm going to do a separate podcast of that. Hopefully, nothing really bizarre happens this weekend. Maybe I can do it on Monday. Okay, and a couple little things, little side notes. I will not be going into Chapter 5 of... Um, I might be. I don't know. Don't hold me to it. But I am going away. And I may not be able to do Chapter 5 of Animal, Animal Farm this week. Which is fine. I'm sure you can hold off on Animal Farm for a week. Or you could do something wild and crazy and buy the book and actually read the book. Uh, so I, I, I'm still not sure because I actually am coming back Sunday. I might be able to get through it. And I am going to work on the dialogue um, while we're traveling. But you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Oh, and Stitcher. Let's not forget Stitcher. And I've got a couple of... Actually, this podcast is now basically everywhere. So you can pretty much get it wherever you want to get it now. Uh, I've got a couple places. Google is my next one. I have to get it on. Uh, you can uh, look at my show notes. You can actually watch every videoed speech, every speech video from the RNC at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Um... This is Gene, and thank God the RNC is over, because it was a positive for the Republicans, there's no question. It's going to boost Trump by about, I'd say, five, six points this week. 
But it was really boring. It was really fantastic production. Greatest reality show on television. But it was boring. Really, really boring. You've listened to Gene. You've listened. This is Gene. And you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.